Good afternoon. Brothers and sisters in Christ, um, we gather here to again dig deeper into God's word, his word that transforms us, his word that changes us and makes us who we ought to be. He strengthens us. He encourages us through his word. So as we open our Bibles to John chapter 9, you can find your place there in your copy of God's Word. We're going to step in to a profound encounter between Jesus, the light of the world, and the man born blind. This encounter is not just a historical event but it holds deep spiritual significance for us, each one of us. It invites us to explore the themes of God, the themes which God purposes for us in our lives. No matter the seasons, no matter where we are, God has purpose for us in our lives. And sometimes with that purpose, there is an urgency of doing his work. And sometimes there's even miraculous healing power that the Lord is distributing to us. And so let us open our hearts and open our minds to receive the truth of God's word, the wisdom that is contained from the scriptures. Let us allow our hearts and minds be changed as we seek to be enlightened and transformed by the word of God. Are you ready? Amen? You can say amen. amen. Are you ready? Amen. All right. <laughs> we're, we're trying to do uh, a little more uh, back and forth with, with you all so that we might be engaging during the worship service. And so um, feel free, feel free to use your voices to say amen. Uh, work with the worship leader and, and the preacher. We're in this together. Amen? Amen. All right. <laughs> All right, John chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. This is a large part uh, of Scripture, but today we're only going to be dealing with verses 1 through 7, and we're going to kind of build, if you would. We're going to, each time we're going to build up uh, to, uh, having more and more context to, to uh, what the Lord wants us to know. But every now and then we're going to see God drop these treasures from the Scriptures. Hear now the word of the living God. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. As his disciples asked him, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, 
It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for this word, the word that we have read. We know that your word is powerful. Your word is effective. And we know that when your word goes out, it doesn't return void. We pray that your word will reach us where we are, that we might understand and comprehend what we're to do in this life, how we're to obey you, that you might get all of the glory. Help us to understand what you would have us to know. We pray that even the little ones will be able to receive your word in such a way they too are helped, changed, and are even born again. We pray, Lord, that you would grant life, that you would allow your light to enter in dark minds that we may see clearly what it is you want us to do. So we pray for the unbelieving one that is amongst us that you would draw them today with your drawing power and we'll be careful to give your name the glory the honor and the praise. Lord God use me a weak man for without you, I am nothing. Pray, Lord God, that you would increase as I decrease. In the name of Jesus, we all pray. And the church said, Amen. I've entitled today's sermon, From Blindness to Seeing, Experiencing the Word of God. And the points will be on the screen, so you'll be able to follow along. Point number one, the condition of blindness. You're going to see that in verses one and two. Point number two, the works of God revealed, verses three through five. And point number three, we're going to consider the miracle of healing, verses six and seven. So let's begin. Point number one, the condition of blindness. Verse 1 says, as he passed by, 
he saw a man blind from birth. It's, it's unclear where Jesus is at this point or the time or context. Nothing in verse 1 is really specific. It's kind of vague. However, we do know at some point he left the temple after the Jews tried to kill him by stoning because he revealed to them his divine nature. He unveiled his true identity as the I am. They hated him for saying that and making such a claim because they rejected him as the savior of the world since the beginning. He came to them letting them know that he has come down from God. He has come from the Father. He's come recognizing that he's the Son of God. And he keeps stacking. He keeps stacking facts and information and truths so that they might know who he is. And so he have gone from all of that and have settled on I am. And that had them enraged. They hated him for making that claim. So as we consider the Apostle John's writing, we must remember the significance of the book and the value of miracles done by the Lord. John explains this in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. He gives you his main idea. Let's turn there for, for a sec. And this just, just helps us to remember what the miracles are for, what the book is about. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. So when we see the miracles, we ought to ponder, we ought to pause and say, what does this mean? Because I know it is for my benefit. Verse 30, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So here we are. There's another miracle before us. So as we're considering this passage, let's keep in mind the spiritual significance of the story of the blind man. In this case, Jesus saw a man in which he was blind from birth. And according to the text, he saw the man as he passed by. 
Consider that for a moment. Jesus saw the man in passing. Did you get that? Let, let me say it like, like, like this. For those of us who are barely holding on right now, you came here today to hear from God. Here's what it said to me when I reread and pondered verse 1. The Lord takes notice of us even when we are overlooked by others. In other words, being in the Imago Dei, made in the image of God, God sees us as valuable. So, can you imagine the terrible condition this man was in? He was totally dependent upon someone else since he was born, telling him what they saw. Jesus saw this man's condition and had pity on him. What we see in our text is how God deals with people according to his sovereignty, accompanied by his divine grace. And so when people overlooked the man, Jesus saw the man. The man was unable to see Jesus, but Jesus noticed him. If you ever wondered whether or not God notices you, just remember his name. There's a lot in a name. For example, when we need the grace of God in our pain, we can call upon the God of grace. That's something we ought to hold dear and close and tight to us. Because it is the grace of God that carries us. For example, in 1 Peter 5.10, it states, And after you have suffered a little while. It's as if Peter is saying, It's guaranteed you're going to suffer. But after. But after you have suffered a little while. The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And I like this. It's as if God pulls out his spiritual credit card and he says, step back. I'll pay for this. See, in the text it says, will himself, emphasizing that God himself would do this. Do what? Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So it's not like you're in a place where God cannot reach you. He knows you. He knows exactly where you are and what you need at this 
moment in history. And so we see these kinds of actions taken by the Lord when he took the initiative to help this man. The Lord wasn't called over by the man. No, the Lord sought him out so that he could express his love towards the man. The Lord had pity on this blind man. We can relate to this blind man, can't we? We also know what it means to be in our lowest points. We, we also have fell on our faces spiritually and did not keep the word of God, did not obey the word of God. So we can relate to the blind man who is dependent on someone else helping him. We can relate because at one time we also were blind. Every one of us here at some point was spiritually blind. Spiritual blindness is the worse condition than physical blindness. You see, one who has physical blindness can know God, and one day all of that will be restored. But don't have spiritual blindness. To have spiritual blindness is to be in the darkness forever, separated from God throughout all eternity. Spiritual blindness is forever. Physical blindness, our infirmities, our sicknesses and diseases, anything that we go through in this life is temporary. That's why Peter says, a little while. See, we need to look at life in light of eternity. And when we look at life in that way, it's a little while that we suffer or that we go through pain because our Lord and King is victorious. And he has overcome the world. That's the beauty of the Angelion, the gospel, is that he has overcome it all. You could put in the blank whatever you want to put there. The beauty is, is that we've received the good news of Jesus Christ. So, it's a blessed privilege to be in that number. That's why the psalmist, the songwriter was able to say, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That slave owner couldn't believe God would do this for him, knowing the history. God, with his gracious hand, was able to wipe it all clean with his own blood and say, I paid for it all. It's finished. We have to live in that. We, that that's why he says he's able himself to restore us, to establish us, 
to strengthen us. But there are many who don't believe it. But listen to what the scripture says about the sinner apart from having a new life in Christ. If you're here today and don't know Christ, that's what we're offering. Often offering you the greatest deal of your life. Your soul depends upon it. And Jesus put it in play like this. What profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? So, so, so be looking, be listening. Because it's an invitation to come over. The Prince of Peace have laid out the bridge between you and God. He's inviting you to come over and to join him. But in Ephesians 4, Paul describes what what the sinner is apart from having new life in Christ. Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 19, he states, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles. He's reminding believers that they ought not to go back living like they used to live. Picking up the things that they have put down. He goes on to say, You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed to practice every kind of impurity. In other words, they are spiritually dead apart from Christ. At one time, we were all spiritually blind, separated from God due to sin. But God, by his grace, saved us. He saved wretched sinners. Before knowing and encountering Christ, we were spiritually dead. Our understanding was darkened. We could not receive the things of God. The scripture says the natural man cannot receive the things of God. There's a necessity to be born again. There must be new birth. And so Paul is communicating that that used to be us. We were alienated from the life of God. We were ignorant to the truth. So as we consider our context, notice that something happened in verse 2 that is still happening today. They asked the question, Take a look at verse 2. It states, And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? In other words, somebody did something. You're not just blind for no reason. Somebody did something. In their minds, they believed that the man had to have done something. 
many cases, it was their tradition. They believed that his disability was the result of sin from either the man or his parents. Somebody did something. And the Jews wasn't the only ones. There were others in that culture, just like the Jews today, who believe and practice the same corruptions. The people, according to the culture of their day, may have believed or considered Exodus 20, verse 5, as sufficient enough to believe all sin was because of one's parents. Because there it states, in Exodus 20, verse 5, you should not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. So you can see why they might believe that. But what we want to point out is that all sins are not treated the same. All of us here today can relate to the blind man because at one point we were not only spiritually blind, but we were spiritually dead just like the rest of the unbelieving world before we came to know Christ. It wasn't until we had a personal encounter with the Lord that things changed for us. We were born again through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And just a few chapters back in John 3, we are reminded of this truth. In John 3, verse 3, the Lord says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Until we come to the light, we cannot see. The disciples asked the Lord this question, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This takes us to our next point, point number two, the works of God revealed. In verses three through five, Jesus answered their question saying this. It says, Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. People today still believe that disabilities and sicknesses is a result of sin. That's why the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is able to persuade people and cause people to stumble and follow after them because they're hoping that people will have something that they can do to change their situation as it relates to their sin against God. Man wants to do something. He wants to provide a righteousness himself rather than depending upon God who is righteous 
who is able to provide an acceptable righteousness that meets the standard of God's perfect and holy will. And so, even though the disciples asked one question, the Lord Jesus answered the question to help all disciples in every generation. The Lord answered them, it was not that the man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. To be clear, the Lord Jesus is not saying that this man's parents are without sin. It's not the claim. Rather, he's saying that his blindness is not the result of a particular sin. It's true in general, in a general sense, that all sin points back to the fall of all humanity. Because of sin, we all suffer for it. However, this man is not blind because of a particular sin. In today's culture, everybody is running around saying karma this and karma that which falls right in line with what the Jews thought in their day. That this is happening to you because of karma. You did something. This doctrine is unbiblical. This is what the culture teaches, though. When we are faced with hardships, difficulty, and pain, and discomfort, it doesn't mean that we did something wrong and now God is paying us back. That, that could happen. God does discipline us. But it doesn't have to be that necessarily. So when we are faced with this, we must remember that God is in control God is sovereign. God has a plan for all of mankind. And sometimes God is behind our suffering. And I might as well say it in an ultimate sense. God is behind all suffering. Whether he's causing it or allowing it, we know that God will only do what is best for us. We know that God will do what is right. He is trustworthy, and he is worth trusting, even when we don't understand all of the details. One thing we are sure of is that God always does what is right. But one of the things we must be aware of is becoming a judge too soon without knowing or hearing the whole matter. In other words, that there's almost a need to be patient and let things play themselves out until the evidence clearly points to the problem. And so we're to, we're to look over our lives to see if there is any besetting sin. We're to consider what we have done. We're to consider 
our thinking, even our thought life can be an offense to God. We're to consider what we're looking at. And so in doing so, we're able to see all of life in perspective in light of what God has said in his word. And in due time, the paraclete who walks alongside us, the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, will help us to discern and to know and to understand what it is that God is saying to us. And so we're to be mindful of that. And we're to be patient. A prime example of this is found in the book of Job when his friends put on their robes and started judging Job. In an attempt to help their friend, I, I think they're a friend. I, I don't know when we read the book of Job, that's not how friends behave. But they, they started out good. When Job was troubled and he was going through his issues, they didn't even say a word. They, they sat and they, they, they tried to feel Job and, and the, the things he was going through. They tried to understand and they didn't say a word, believe for some days. They just sat with him. Sometimes we don't need to say anything. Just say, I'm, I'm here. I'm here if you need me. Don't always have to use words. We can be there. We can make ourselves available. We can stand with brothers and sisters in Christ. We can stand with those who have fallen in sin. Walk alongside them. Let them know that I'm, I'm here. I'm here. So in an attempt to help Job, they fell into sin themselves. So it's a reminder for us to watch out as we look out and judge others. Now we're not saying don't judge. We're saying make right judgments. Right? And so that's the practice. The second part of the Lord's answer was that Jesus was in a divine mission. Sent by God to do his work on earth. We don't always understand what the Lord is doing, but he's always right in whatever he does, and it is good for us. The fact that we're going through, we ought to ask the question whether or not we're in aligned with God. In other words, have we joined God in the struggle? He's always available to help us. He's always wanting us to call upon him, to trust in him, to place faith in him. Have we joined him in the struggle. Whatever the struggle is, whatever God has allowed, have we joined him? 
And so we won't always understand what's going on, but God always does what is right. For example, when Lazarus was sick, God allowed him to carry the sickness for two more days. And we know what happened, right? We know what, what happened. Now, the Lord could have made it to Lazarus sooner rather than later to heal him, but God had a better plan. The, the, the disciples didn't, didn't understand what the Lord was saying. <laughs> you know, uh, it, Lazarus was going to die, but, but, but God described it as he was sleeping. They, they didn't pick it up. And so the disciples say, well, well, let him sleep then. Right? But the Lord in his divine wisdom saw fit that it would be better for him to not make it when everyone expected it to show forth the glory of God. And he was going to do it through Lazarus. And so we're able to capture this in John 11, verse 4, when Jesus spoke to the disciples about the reason why Lazarus was sick. God is, is, is working out his plan in the life of Lazarus. Life is continuing. People are doing and going about life as usual, and God in his perfect Sovereign, providential plan is using it all for his own glory. And here it is. It states in verse 4, But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This is a changing of our minds. See, this is, this is different. When Jesus is the light of the world, when he is the I am, that means that every circumstance, every situation is being used by God for his glory. That's when the light comes in. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And that's something we have to remember. Now, listen again to what Jesus said about why this man was born blind. Was it because of his parents or his own sin that caused him to be born blind? Absolutely not. The Lord answered, it was not because of them. This means that it was God's will for this man to be born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in the man. So how much more being the people of God will God display his plan and purpose in us and through us? Are we embracing that reality that God is at work amongst us? How about us? How about you? Are we surrendering to the will of God in every aspect of life? 
not just over here in the corner, but allowing God to have it all. Could it be that your perceived hardship is the Lord's will at work in your life to glorify him just as it was with the blind man? Think about that. In many cases, we want to run away from our problems and our situations, our struggles and the pains and the sicknesses, rather than embracing it and saying, Lord, whatever your will is, may your will be done in me and through me. So if it is your will for me to be healed, I'll be healed. But if it's your will for me to carry this load, I know if you've given me the load, I must carry it. And I know that I don't have to carry it alone for you are with me. God has given us the promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So that means, ladies, even in the kitchen, you can glorify God. You can present what you're doing for the family as glory to God. Men, when you go to work and you step out of your home, you're able to get into your cars and go down the freeway glorifying God for the flowers and the trees. And then when you get to work, giving God the glory and giving all your efforts to him, all for the glory of God. Looking past man, whatever you do in word of deed, do all for the glory of God. That's the practice that we want to have in our lives. And so in verse 4 of our text, we're beginning to see again Jesus referring to the limited time he has on earth. The Lord was serious about keeping the Father's timing and the Father's will. And we see this language in verse 4 and 5. There seems to be a certain urgency about the Lord in fulfilling the Father's will. He adds a bit of imagery to demonstrate the urgent need to work and serve in doing the Father's will. Look at verse 4 again. The Lord says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. So the metaphor night symbolizes limitations. It is symbolizing, it symbolizes passing the, uh, the passing of an opportunity. It's also a picture of readiness. And so how does this help us? How can we apply this message to our lives? One way is by making the most of our time to serve God while we can. It's not a secret. We're all running on borrowed time. And we don't know when the Lord might say, come now, come home, my child. It can happen a number of ways. It can be in our cars, on our way home, and die in a car accident. And so the Lord Jesus is calling us to join him and to serve him now. You can have 
something going on in our bodies. And the Lord say, come home. He's expressing the need to be urgent to do the work of God. So what will we do with God's time? The time that we have is a gift from God. We ought to be good stewards of the time that God has given us. And so we must practice doing this on a regular basis. The scripture teaches us that we ought to work with God. Oftentimes, God reveals that his works is through acts of compassion It deals with the relationships we have with other people. It it comes through love and even through miracles, through the means of grace. And so let's encourage one another to be actively involved in doing good works that demonstrates God's love to others, especially those in need, especially brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because God demonstrates his works in us. And so let's begin seizing the opportunities to serve. We see this in Galatians 6.10. There it states, therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Also in Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 tells us to look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Again, we're to be watchful, we're to be wise in how we live and make full use of the time. So we're challenged. And in verse 5, the Lord adds his title as a divine signature, saying, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. The Lord was pointing to his departure, warning those who are in the dark that he's available, that the opportunity is now while he is on earth, while he was on earth. Today, we have the Holy Spirit helping us to understand and come to know Christ through faith. The light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. He just said this before, right? A couple of chapters back. But the light of the world symbolizes and its significance is contrast with with light and darkness in the spiritual context. So essentially, Jesus' role in coming into the world is to bring illumination and is to bring understanding to all humanity so that all the world might know how to walk in the light of Christ daily. And so our final point, point number three, the miracle of healing is found in verses six and seven. There it says, having these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with them, made mud with the saliva. 
Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. In these verses, we witness a powerful and miraculous healing performed by the Lord. But, but let's, let's look at the verses and we'll be done. So after Jesus spoke about the works of God and the urgency of fulfilling his mission, he took a unique approach to heal the blind man. He spat on the ground, making mud with his saliva. This act might seem unusual to us, but from what I understand, uh, many people in culture see that saliva has some healing properties in it. But having made the mud, Jesus applied it to the man's eyes. And this act of applying the mud symbolizes Jesus' divine authority and creative power. You think about the dirt. Do that remind you of someone? Do that remind you of a person in the beginning? First man, Adam, right? Just as God formed humanity from dust, from the dust of the earth, Jesus uses the element of the earth to bring about healing in this man's life. It also demonstrates that Jesus have the power over creation. It shows that he can do whatever he wants to do. He can use even the simplest elements to perform miracles. Again, these miracles are authenticating who he is as God. So after applying the mud to the blind man's eyes, Jesus gives him specific instructions. Notice that he could have seen, right? Once Jesus took the dirt or the mud and put it on his eyes, he could have said, okay, you're good, go. But there was something the man had to do. He had to trust God. He had to believe in him. He had to believe that what he said, his words, isn't that what Jesus was saying the whole time? To believe his words. And so this man had to trust the Lord. And so he tells the man to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is interesting. The name Siloam means sent. The man was sent to the pool that is called sent. And it, it holds that spiritual significance or symbolism. It's a reminder that Jesus, the Son of God, was sent by the Father to accomplish his divine mission of redemption and salvation. He also is the sent one. And now he's sending us with the gospel to the world so that men and women might be redeemed and saved. So 
The act of washing in the pool of Siloam serves as a test of the blind man's faith and obedience. So by obeying Jesus' command, the man demonstrates his trust in the one who sent him and willingness to follow his instructions. So the blind man acts in faith and goes to the pool as directed by Jesus as he washes the mud from his eyes an extraordinary miracle occurs his sight is restored and he comes back to the people able to see for the first time in his life we all know what that feels like we know what it feels like when all of our lives we've been running in the darkness and when Christ comes we see and life is meaningful. Life has purpose because the light of the world has come and is dwelling amongst us. We can see. We too have experienced a miracle. But it requires faith. And this man acts in faith. And his life changes. If we come with that mentality, when we come before the word of God, what do you think will happen to us? When we come with expectations to hear the word of God, whether it's here or whether it's in a community group, wherever it's at, once the book is open, fair game, God can work. Scripture teaches us that when three come together, when we come together in his name, when, when two or three gather together in his name, there is he a God in the midst of us. And so, this healing not only physically restored the man's sight, but also he received Jesus' divine identity, and he knew him for himself. I know for myself, he's the son of God. He's the source of spiritual light. Healing is for all those who believe in him. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ today. Believe in him so that the light of the world might come in and show you things you never imagined. But the greatest thing you need now is salvation. So if you don't know him today, come to know him as Lord and Savior. So, these verses also show the Lord's compassion, the Lord's divine power, and to bring about transformation in the lives of those who trust and obey him. That's the challenge we have. We've heard the word of God. Will we obey? Will we trust him? Will we rely upon him this day? If you are, Continue. Right? Continue. Keep, stay in the race. Run well. Run hard. The healing of the blind man serves as a profound testimony to the truth that Jesus is the Messiah and the light of the world. If we obey the Lord, we will be blessed. 
Hebrews 11 and 6 says it like this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we find ourselves in awe of the incredible love we experience, the compassion and power of God. And in this encounter with the blind man, we witness not only physical healing, but spiritual healing. Like the blind man, we too were in darkness, blind to the truth. But now we see God's mercy and his love.